Welcome everybody into the Valley. I'm Ethan Shutt, joined by Philip Russell. And unfortunately not joined by Ryan Shutt. Uh, I'm convinced whatever illness kept me out of the podcast last week has kindly graced my brother and he is on the uh, COVID-19 list. Not really. We don't. We don't know. But he feels icky. So uh, thoughts and prayers, best wishes, all that good stuff out to Ryan. I believe he opened last week with something to the extent of things are better or some semblance of a revolution, Philip, uh, do you recall? His exact quote was, the revolution has begun. It was big Korg energy from Thor Ragnarok for all the Marvel nerds out there. Hello, I'm Korg. Uh, we're starting an army. It is not gone well. Poor do you Korg. know why? Marvel quiz. Why did it not go well? Um, poor communication. What was it? They all didn't get together at the right time. He didn't print enough pamphlets. That was it. So nobody showed up. <laughs> what a wonderful small character in the beautiful MCU. Well, what a wonderful sidetracked way to uh, get started. Like I said, I'm Ethan, joined with Philip. We are into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Thank you to the homies at Brightside, uh, as always. And we are here to fill you in on all things Phoenix Suns. We do not claim to be the smartest, but we do claim to care. Our job is to keep you in the know, all things Phoenix Suns. And so to recap, since our last episode, the Suns have had a uh, an odd week. I would say um, for other teams, probably a normal week, but for the Suns with how things were going, definitely a bit of a shock. Uh, I don't, do, do you, when can you remember the last time they had a week where they didn't end up with a winning record? Like it's gotta be week one, right? When they were one and three. I think so. I think I you're mean, right. Cause this, this week they went two and two uh, starting off Monday, December 27th with the crushing walk loss to John Morant and his uh, sweet feet, taking all five steps to get that buzzer beater. Uh, followed it up, righted the ship with a win Wednesday against the Thunder. And then the biggest, just bummer of the week, in my opinion, disappointing loss to the Celtics on Friday, 123 to 108. Followed up with tonight, Sunday, January 2nd, thumping, stomping massacre of the poor Hornets who, though they may be a league pass team for many, were not a winning team tonight. Weird week, Philip. Um, I know we talk, we ask this every week, right? What what one thing stood out to you? I feel like this is one of the weirdest weeks we've had to talk about all season. Because, like I said, it, it wasn't the normal, well, we won a bunch of games. Oh, we dropped one, but things are fine. This was This was a weird one. I do think that uh, there is one key reason why the week went it did the way it did. Uh, and if you don't hit it, I sure will. Uh, but what stood out to you this week? Did you watch Craig Ferguson when you were a kid? Late I, did. CBS? I did. I would love to try his accent, but I don't want to embarrass myself. All right. I'm not going to try the accent. I'm supposedly terrible at accents. But at the end of his show, frequently, and maybe it was an every night thing, they, they had this little jingle that said, I will sing this. They said, what did we learn on the show tonight, Craig? And I very distinctly remember one time when Craig looked at the camera and said, absolutely bleeping nothing. And until tonight, that's kind of how I felt about this week. Like, what are we going to learn from COVID depleted games against teams? Maybe the Grizzlies, you can consider them a threat in the West, but against teams who otherwise are fairly irrelevant 
to to the Suns and their uh, their goals and their pursuits this season. So I'm not taking a ton of stuff from this week, which is why we're going to have to get into the nitty gritty. And for me, it's going to be the nitty gritty about sticks when we get into our next our next segment. What about you? What stood out to you? I mean, you kind of touched on both. The first one was just COVID finally hit the Suns, and we've we've talked at length about. You know, the Suns have done a pretty good job of keeping everyone on the court. Uh, A lot of the context has been normal basketball injuries, right? The stuff that we expect to see. Uh, We had a stint without Booker for a while. We got to talk about that. Go back to the playoffs. We talked in depth about what this team looks like without Chris Paul. Um, You know, we've talked for uh, more minutes than I can count about how important Frank Kaminsky's minutes were. And without those, we miss them. And, you know, it stands out. I did not expect, and I should have, the Suns without multiple players due to COVID and not just players, throw in a coach as well. So this week was really the first week of, hey, what happens when dot, dot, dot. So it it was a weird one. And to your point, I think what, what you closed with was what I was going to close with was I, I wanted to see someone take the opportunity that was presented and make the most of it. Uh, it's the next man up mentality that you hear about in all sports. That doesn't happen a lot in basketball because, you know, a seven, eight man rotation, nine man, if you're down a man, you just play down, you know, you play a seven man rotation instead. It's rare when you're getting guys who are averaging less than five minutes a game and say, Hey, you're a vital part of what we're trying to accomplish now. Let's see how it goes. And we saw that this week with Jalen Smith, who has been, I don't know if we can say he's been talked about a lot or not at all. Um, Kind of the forgotten lottery pick, but within the Suns world gets discussed a lot more as trade bait than anything. So it was really cool to see him have a week to kind of show what he can do. Um, And it wasn't a situation where it's like, hey, we're down a center, so he's going to get some scrap third center minutes or something. It was like, hey, everyone over 6'10 is out. Jalen, what can you do for us? Uh, and look, I mean, not perfect by any means, but led the team in rebounding all four games this week, which is awesome. Um, we'll talk about him more in a little bit, so I won't get too far. But he really, he stood out to me and it made me happy because I want I want the kid to succeed. I want every dude that gets drafted in the NBA, except for like the occasional Grace and Allen to come in and do well, right? Like this is their livelihood. This is what they've dreamed about. It's cool watching that happen. So that's that's what I got, man. Like, but to your point, and I want you to kind of just explain that a bit more for those who might not have watched the games. It's weird to say that you didn't learn anything watching the games. Why was that for you? I mean, in a game like against the Celtics, when DA's out and JaVale's out and Sticks is starting, but then the dude coming in for him is Emmanuel Terry or a super yeah. small lineup. And the the Celtics just roll out Horford and Time Lord. They roll out Horford and Williams to to go against them. Like you're just not going to learn that much when the Suns are that overmatched in a game. So you're not hanging your hat on anything like this. And usually against teams like Ethan, they are they are so bad. There's not a ton to learn because it becomes like it becomes like college basketball where you're watching, you're watching the game and you're like, wait till the middle of the third quarter or the fourth quarter. And the more talented team is going to take over. And that's exactly what happened. 
in that Thunder game. So there weren't there weren't big time intriguing storylines outside of COVID. And then the opponents were either absolute trash, the Thunder and the Hornets tonight, or the opponents just overpowered the Suns because of who the Suns had on the bench. And again, you don't hang your hat long-term on any of that stuff. No, I agree. Um, I wasn't planning on touching on it too much uh, past kind of the, the first thought. You watch basketball with a really good eye, and I appreciate it. It adds a lot to this podcast. Did you see anything different in terms of how the Suns played with Monty not there, or was it kind of same old, same old? I didn't, with my less educated eyes, see anything really jumping out to me. I think part of that is Chris Paul is still out there. So the head coach part two is probably still running the show. Did anything jump out to you or anything different with, with Monty being out there? Cause I thought rotation wise, it, it still seemed normal while missing every tall person. You know what I mean? There was, it was just one game. It might've been the Grizzlies game. I wrote down for one of the games that I thought the sub patterns were a little weird, but that game also had some foul I remember issues. We, I would say we watched a lot of the Grizzlies game together. And I remember yeah. you saying at least twice in the first half, like he's going back in right now, or, Oh, that's a weird one in terms of the five that they had out there. I just didn't know if you might've saw some more of that throughout the other games where maybe I missed out on it. No. And I think that was just because JaVale got into some foul trouble yep. that game. So as far as, as far as sub patterns and even the sets that the Suns are running, a lot of it looked pretty normal and pretty standard. Gotcha. Cool. Well, like I said, weird week of basketball. Um, I think Phillips done a great job explaining kind of why we can't really dig in too much and, and take any like big ideas out of it, but there's still good stuff to talk about. So what we do this week, last week, and every week are our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows of Phoenix Suns basketball, where we try to make big things easy to digest, easy to understand, and take some of the good and the bad uh, and the just plain interesting and, and put it out there for you guys who might be listening and watching along with us. So our highs in Phoenix Suns basketball, I'm going to start us off. I, I know you're going to talk about it as well. So I'm going to give what I'm going to call the, uh, wow, the first thing that popped in my head, this is so nerdy. I was about to say, I'm going to say the Sorcerer's Stone edition, aka like Harry Potter's 250 page version. And then I'm going to hand it over to you for the uh, Goblet of Fire if you so want it where you can just go to town if you want. Uh, listeners, hang on. Listeners, just so you know, Ethan has a goal to read more books this year. I started. It's already showing. It's already showing. I'm currently reading Currently reading Harry Potter. Um, I've seen the movies more times than I can count. I've never read the seventh book because someone ruined it for me before I could read it. And so a young, idiotic, spiteful Ethan said, screw you. I'm never reading the seventh <laughs> book because I already know what happens. So I'm really excited to get there. Uh, but yes, New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's goals aside and books aside, my high is Jalen Smith. We already talked about it, but man, it made me so happy uh, to see him just get minutes, right? Like I got, uh, I hate getting annoyed with Suns fan base so early, but here we are. It really annoyed me how much crap he was getting during summer league when he was playing with a team of non NBA players, right? Like what, going back to your point, what can you learn from that? Like throw Jalen Smith out there with a bunch of 10 day contract guys. What do you think is going to happen 
And what do you think you can take from that? And be like, oh, yes, I see how he fits into the greater scheme. You can't, right? You're looking for some maybe some some leadership, some confidence. But at the end of the day, what you can't learn that much. So it was so cool to see him get extended minutes with some NBA guys. Like I said, we both mentioned not a whole team of them. No offense, Emmanuel Terry. Sorry, dog. Catching a stray there. But like, it was so cool to see, okay, how does he work in a pick and roll with Chris Paul? Okay, how does he work with Devin Booker in a little two-man, right? Like seeing a lot of the stuff that we've heard talked about since he got drafted, which is can move his feet, he's quick, he's got bunnies, and he's got a confident three-point shot. Now, notice I didn't say good or great three-point shot, but confident, which I honestly think is important for a big guy. And we saw all that on display. And I was just really happy for him. I was happy for James Jones because – that is one of the very few, I would say, knocks to his current tenure. Um, and I would love I would love for that to work out for Jalen, whether it's with the Suns or improving the Suns through a trade, right? Getting some value back if you know you have something that has value that you won't be using. So either way, I just thought it was good for Suns basketball as a whole to see Jalen Smith get some good minutes. And, and sure, he didn't put up 20 and 20 and, you know, shoot 50% from three, whatever. In my opinion, he did exactly what he was supposed to, which was show me as a fan that he fits within our system. He can do a lot of the stuff we need out of potentially a DA backup. Um, and then tonight, I think his his monster dunk tonight was that one shining moment to cap off a good week where the guy can get some love. And I saw a lot of fans on Twitter giving him a, a lot of praise, and I was thrilled for him. Bismack Biombo's 45-year-old self had to try to one-up him, but we'll leave that for later. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Smith, high for the week, clearly. Um, I'll let you I'll let you get into it because my money is on you probably having the same one. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely the height. So if you if you threw me off and went on a campaign tangent after I just gave you the biggest setup, I would have been devastated. No, no, no. So before before tonight's game, he was averaging for the week 15 and 10 on 57% from the field, 33% from three, which isn't great. But as you said, really confident, no hesitation and 87% from the line, which that 87% from the line is why you're okay with him shooting those threes because he has good feel and good touch. Uh, NBA.com just didn't have the stats calculated in. So we can we can say tonight's stats in an individual game. 19 points again and 12 boards on eight of 15 from the field. So another North of 50% and only, only two fouls. I know that's a really small point, but that was also something that stood out to me was he defensively seems to do a good job of knowing where to go to contest without fouling, which is kind of what allowed DA to have a massive step up in his year two as well. Sorry. I'll, I'll let you go. My bad. No, you're all good. You're all good. So I'm going to break this down now into two separate parts. Stuff he did one time or just a couple times, and then things he was doing consistently well, or at least did them several times. You already mentioned one. He put a dude on a nasty poster. <laughs> it was awesome. But then related to that, he had, during the Hornets game, a secondary transition block where the first wave of transition went down. The Suns were about to contest a little guard. It might have been Ishmith taking a shot, but Sticks got back in transition as Plumlee was racing down the court. He beat Plumlee down the court and got a block. So it was a big time effort play. And then tonight it wasn't a pretty play, 
but he drove and he turned ready to drive from the short roll. It it was a play where he bobbled. It's on it's on Twitter because the Suns bench was kind of a meme after the after the play. He scored it, but he showed a willingness to take the ball and put it on the deck in order to get there. Now, all that stuff he did at, at least once, it wasn't his consistent stuff. So what did he do consistently or at least several times this week that really stood out? Number one that I loved because this shows a basketball IQ. Several times this week, he sealed his defender after a pick and roll when the guard started to drive. So he had a recognition as he was rolling that he wasn't going to get the ball, but he opened up his hip and sealed off his man. So the guard had a straighter line drive to the basket. That's great, especially because that shows a court awareness and he sees the flow of the play and sees what he needs to, what he needs to do. Related to that, he positions decently well when he doesn't have the ball, even when it's not off of a pick and roll, when he needs to move around kind of in what's called the dunker spot, just outside the lane or right inside the lane as the guard, as the guards were driving. You already mentioned this one as well. No hesitation from three, which if he can up his percentage just a little bit and teams have to respect his pick and pop that opens up the floor considerably for the sun's guards and wings. And then this is, this is huge. And this is where I think sticks was markedly better than uh, Biombo, at least for tonight, pretty solid defense, especially in relation to just contesting some shots, contesting some shots. So I thought sticks did a nice job. He had a couple good blocks, but just getting his hands up and getting vertical, I thought for the most part, he did a pretty good job of this week. So as we're moving, as we're moving forward in the season and potentially needing, needing a bunch of minutes from sticks at the five in the next couple of weeks, being aware of the court, especially with sealing the defender, not hesitating from three, and then just contesting when, when smaller offensive players are driving at him. If he can do that, you go from saying sticks, you need to not be terrible to sticks is currently servable this week. And you might slip into sticks is a good second or third string center for the Suns. Yeah. And that that's kind of where, where I'm at right now is I don't know how to set expectations for him, right? Like you're a lottery pick. And maybe this is me giving James Jones too much credit. There are some things about him that I am just going to give him credit for because of who decided to draft him, right? I don't think based on everything we have seen through James Jones, the ownership and how things are going these days, I don't see them drafting someone in that spot who doesn't have high basketball IQ and good character. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, who knows? I'm going to give him credit that I'm just going to assume that he has those two things. And that's a good start. So it's okay. What can he do with those things? And we've never really got to see him do much of anything. And everything that you just said to me, again, not perfect, but you saw a lot of positive signs and a lot of flashes of, okay, this makes sense. Okay. I see where this can fit. And one thing that I, I wanted to just bring up real quick, because I, I enjoy the numbers aspects of everything. In college, he played two seasons at Maryland. His second year, he averaged only 2.8 threes a game, but he hit 37%, which if you're a big hit in 37 from three in minimal attempts, 
that's more impressive than a guy shooting a higher percentage over more. You don't have the wiggle room to have a couple off nights without tanking your three-point percentage. So he was he was hitting the ones he was taking. He averaged making one a game. But something, too, that's worth noting is he was never a 2020 guy, even in college. Like, that was not the role he played. His best season right before he got drafted, he averaged 15 and 10. But defensively, he was really good and was always in the right spot. And the athleticism just jumps off the page, right? The other thing that you saw some in Maryland and we saw some in the summer league that I did enjoy was his confidence dribbling the ball. We saw him get a rebound and start the break. And again, in summer league with the dudes you're playing with, it's probably easier to pull that off than when you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker saying, hey, I'm right here. But I thought we saw glimpses of that too, uh, where he was willing to attack the basket, whether he was starting the break or getting the ball, attacking a close, whatever. And that confidence is just good for me when it's someone who hasn't been playing. Like that's a tough spot to come in, provide immediately. And going back to, again, this isn't no, this is no deep dive. This is just eye test and numbers. He improved every game this week on the shooting end, four of 10 against the Grizzlies, four of seven, seven of nine with the Celtics. And although his field goal percentage dropped tonight, he was shooting more, which I love like you. And you mentioned it. I love the confidence to shoot. Putting up 15 shots a game is great. I think around the rim, he will continue to improve offensively. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, people listening, DeAndre Ayton has continued to improve offensively around the rim. Obviously, let's give the guy some credit on being talented and working on his own game, but that also means I'm guessing the coaching staff in place and those like JaVale around him are just going to be continued great examples. So I, I think he just showed us a lot of good stuff that we can get excited about. My only big hangup is I just don't know how to set expectations, but that's not a bad thing. He's... Here's where I can kind of come back down to earth as far as Sticks is concerned. He's not big enough or strong enough right now to hang with the elite centers in this league. So it's it's disappointing, but currently Valanciunas for the Pelicans is in health and safety protocols. Zubak for the Clippers is also in health and safety protocols. And Bam for the Heat is also in health and safety protocols. I think some of those guys might be injured, but they've been they've been out the last times they're their respective teams have played. I would not mind seeing sticks against guys like Steven Adams, who he ran up against, against the Grizzlies, Al Horford, who he had to deal with on Friday against the Celtics. I think that's where there is a noticeable area for growth Mm -hmm. with him. But one of the realities with how young he is, is he just might not be there physically yet, which is why you hang your hat as a Suns fan on the fact that if you're going to get matched up against Steven Adams, DA is going to get that nod and JaVale is going to get that nod when they're healthy, significantly faster than Sticks is. But in a game like tonight, Sticks might fit a little bit better coming off the bench than, than JaVale would. So what it, what it does when he's playing well is it gives you a little bit more flexibility. And to your point, that last point you made, it gives them a more skilled big to bring it off the bench than JaVale. That's that's my one big thing too when it comes to his skill set is there are times, I remember there have been multiple games where I just wish we could have a more five out type look and not a four out one in. Like I want to have that space under the rim open. And the way that works is 
you have to have five guys that have some semblance of gravity from the defenders when it comes to shooting the three. And DeAndre Ayton has not paused. DA has been amazing. Please don't take this. Everyone that loves to defend him the wrong way. He doesn't have that. Like you can't put him in the corner, put him up at the elbow, back a couple steps and expect people to do a quick closeout because they know he's not going to shoot the ball. And if Jalen can hit 30 to 35% from three, defenders will have to step. We have seen that with so many bigs in this day and age. Uh, first one that comes to mind, Brooke Lopez. People used to let him stand there, right? Not anymore, because he has shown that he worked on his game, has that shot. And so now you're pulling everyone up out of the paint. And there might be times where, you know, having Jalen out there just brings something different. Um, and that would, that would be great. And I don't know what expectations the kid has for himself and where he fits. Um, but it was really encouraging this week to see that, um, I'm happy for him. I hope our players get healthy, uh, as much as it's enjoyable to watch him. I don't want to do it too much because that's probably not a good sign of what's happening. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm glad we're both on the same page there. We will transition from the, uh, hopefully realistic Jalen Smith love sesh, which was AKA we love him for succeeding, but at the same time, he's still not a starting center. He's probably not a backup center right now. So we're still trying to be realistic here. Moving from our highs, our lows for the week. I'm very intrigued where you're wanting to go with this, but Philip, you're low for the week in Phoenix Suns basketball. This is painful to say, because it feels super disrespectful. It's Chris Paul. I I was underwhelmed for the first time in consecutive games with him before tonight's game. And it sounds crazy to say you're underwhelmed with this performance. 12, basically 12 and nine, 12 points, nine assists. But here's where it was really bad. 37.8% from the field. 20% Dude, from his three ball three. was killing us. Yeah, it Did was you hear, bad. I think EJ said it on maybe the Memphis telecast that he shot what he shot like thirty eight percent from three last year or something like that. It was some number where it was said out loud, and I was like, I don't think that's the same guy because like that has just not been there this year at all. And and he's just not taking them this year. He's barely taking a three game. He didn't take a three game this week before. Before tonight's game. Now, tonight he was outstanding. Seven points, six boards, 16 assists on three of six from the field, which is a pretty absurd stat line. But but the reason he was my lowest because of the Boston game in particular, where there were times it felt like the team just needed a bucket. Like someone go down whose name isn't Devin Booker when Devin was struggling during the game and just give the team a little bit of a spark. That's where, at least last year in the playoffs, especially, that's where you could count on CP3 to take over for some short stretches. And he had some iconic performances, especially from the mid range in last year's playoff run. Now, this might be unfair criticism because that's not his role. And it's especially not his role in a regular season game. But as I was thinking about who to who to point out as as the low point this week? I just thought he was a he was a pretty easy candidate, but that is at least in part due to his his expectations being so high because of his greatness. I think that's fair. You know, like 
again, we go back to expectations. He's put himself in a, in a position where those expectations are, are warranted, I would say. Uh, the three thing kills me, man. Do you think that any part of that could be the wrist injury over the offseason and the surgery and everything that came from that? I'm not a doctor. And unfortunately, <laughs> thank you, I did, thank you. I, I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So I have absolutely no opinion on what could, uh, Dude, what the I, lingering. I want you to know, I want you to know that that joke just screamed your dad. That was just, I got a whole lot of Mark vibes out of that one, but I did love it very much. <laughs> I'm practicing the dad jokes for April. Hey, we're getting close. We're getting close. All right. All right. Won't talk about the baby. Too, too much fun. Go back to basketball. Well, my low, um, it, I don't love doing this and it might be nitpicky. And if it is nitpicky, I want you to hold me accountable because I don't want to be that guy. I have been slightly underwhelmed by Mikhail Bridges on the offensive side of the ball. He has been very hit or miss and not in a like funny shooting pun way, but it's just like we can get two different guys. And I don't know if it is due to the defensive workload that he's given, but there are nights. I think, I think the Grizzlies was 10 points on five of five. I need to fact check myself. Sometimes I go off memory far more than I need to. And that is a dangerous game to play. Um, Mikhail Bridges, Grizzlies, Five of five, 10 points. Yep, there we go. So things that jump out to me on that, we have no three-point attempts. That was the thing that really bothered me about that game. I remember looking at the box score after and saying, that's concerning. I do not like that at all. On top of that, I couldn't give him the the normal pass of being like, well, he was shutting down blank star player. When John Morant and Desmond Bain both score, I think 33 and 32 respectively, that, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't want to hold them to an unfair level, right? So then we go to the next game, Thunder offensively. Two of six from the field, one of four from three. That's rough. On top of it, again, it's not like he's out there having to go against someone who's just physically destroying him. Uh, the Celtics game, I feel bad. I feel like I'm just bashing him. Four of 11 from the field, two of four from three. Again, 10 points. And then tonight I checked the box score for tonight and I was hoping where it was like, this is the, this is the come out of the slump game, 15 points on six of 12 from the field, three of five from three, which I'm happy with that. I, I want him to be better. That is not a incredibly beautiful scientific analysis point. I just want him to make that step. And I really thought it would have happened by now during this season, not last season or the year before this season. I thought we were going to see that season where it bumps up a bit. And I'm not saying averaging 25 points a night, right? Like I'm just, I'm expecting more. And I know there's a lot of crappy people who are trying to compare him to like, Oh, he's going to make the Kawhi jump. That's absurd. Let's be real. But right now, he's averaging 11.9 points a game. Now, Philip, I know I want you to keep me on, on my, like, keep me honest here. Doesn't that feel disappointing to you? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, your head nod was very good, but I'm glad the Thank people you. listening couldn't, couldn't quite hear that one. Yeah, like, are we, are we holding him? Like, what, what are your expectations for Mikhail? Who do you think Mikhail can be, right? I think the Kawhi thing is too high. 
I don't think that's fair. There's no reason to think that's there, no matter what people want to tell you about looking at all your fancy metrics. Who do you think is his ceiling in terms of players in the league that you can think of, or maybe past players? And I'm sorry, I'm throwing you on the spot with this one. It might take a couple throwing out names to, to get your answer. Like, who do you think he can be? I don't know, because I, I think Mikhail might be mechanically limited. His shot is weird. It's the, it's the weird kind of early Lonzo angled with angled, tucked, not tucked in elbow, all that mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he shoots a good ball out of his hand, but just the way he shoots when, when I watch it, the way he shoots, it seems like it would make driving to the basket, stepping in for pull-ups significantly harder than for a guy like Cam Johnson or a guy like Devin Booker, guys who have a pure shooting form. So part of what I've been wondering the last couple of weeks, watching him struggle a couple of times is, is he just going to be a guy who off, off the pass, just catch and shoot is significantly better and more dangerous than a guy when he puts it on the floor. And that's, those are statistics that, that we might look up, but I don't, I don't know what he'll be unless he were to change his form or just get significantly more fluid with his jump shot. Yeah. And you know, he started showing off the mid range game a little bit. And I think he, I mean, he can still absolutely do it. Like he's got the length and the height and the jump that he, when he recognizes it, you can tell sometimes he's like, I'm going to get to my spot and put it over you. And I love that. Like, I love seeing new stuff that we didn't see before this year. Like I'm glad to see him trying that stuff. I think he's attacked the rim more as well. Uh, attempted to put someone on a poster tonight before some bridges on bridges crime, if I'm not mistaken. Like I like to see it. Uh, this is a weird name, and I you've watched more of this player than I have even remotely watched, so you can tell me if this is true. I currently think that my Mikhail Bridges comp is a Warriors Andre Iguodala, not young Andre Iguodala, where he was still had all the bunnies in the world and could really kind of just go off offensively, which people forget that that was there. But his role for the, the Warriors, I think, really fits what we've seen with McHale. Obviously, it's like you took the whole team and made him a little younger. But in terms of scoring option, he's going to be like three at best, maybe, on a good night. He can go off for 18 to 25 defensively he knows his role he's always going to make the right decision with the ball he's not going to lose you the game offensively but you can count on him but he's not going to go win it for you does that as someone who watched i probably every warriors game during that entire first part of the dynasty how how do you think those two things jive I didn't have league pass yet. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos and probably some legal streams. Who's to say, I think the, what is it? That Reddit account? No, That's it's the uh, statute that. of limitations. That's sort of, I, oh, I, I use that Reddit account for a <laughs> while before uh, the old league pass thing happened. But yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's a good comp, especially because Igadala is a heady player. He fits within an offensive system really well. And he is very confident in shooting open shots but he's also not going to just seek out his own shot frequently in, in a game. And Iguodala also doesn't have the prettiest form in the world either. So he's become very selective with his offensive game, which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing for Mikhail. 
The problem, though, is Mikhail being selective on the offensive end will limit the Suns' ceiling. Yep. Unless Cam Johnson continues to be on an absolute tear, and that would be the counterbalance. Mikhail ran into a ceiling offensively that we didn't think he was going to run into, but Cam, his counterpart, is just bursting through that ceiling and is far and above. Yeah. Mikhail right now for the season, 11.9 points, 4.1 rebounds, and a number I don't know if I should be upset with, but 1.8 assists per game. And I think also part of the expectations and potential drop-off, he averaged a little over 15 a game in the four or five games to start the year, even with a lacking record. And then has gone back to, I think, averaging right at 11 points every month since. So November, December, both, he was right at that 11 mark. And I, to your point, it's just a weird... I didn't expect that ceiling to be there. Like I thought he would end the season around, and again, I know it's not a massive difference, 15 to 16 points a game. I thought that was a reasonable ask. And you know what? Even if he goes to the line or a couple more times or hits one more three, he's right there. Like it's not a, a big leap we're asking for, but that is that was my low this week. And I think not because this week in particular, he was just awful. I think this week was the first time as I was really going through the box scores and re-watching and looking for things that either did stand out or didn't stand out. His offensive game didn't stand out at all. And I was like, okay, what, what did I miss? Was he doing more than I was giving him credit for? Obviously, he's always in the right place. Almost the entire starting lineup, you can count on them to be where they're supposed to be. But I was just I was just a little bummed. So I'm glad that I'm not completely crazy with that. And I know we we love him dearly. But do you think that could just be a next year he breaks the ceiling? You just need another offseason type thing because they did have a short offseason. Got to give him some love there. Uh, but do you do you think that he could break out of it like it's a slump this year? Or you think it's a, he needs to go back to the drawing board maybe over the offseason? I think it's a drawing board issue just yeah, with his mechanics. Just with the mechanics. It kind of hurts. It's kind of painful to criticize CP3 and then Mikhail brings back to back. I'm telling you, when I was looking at things to make my low, (laughs) this was number one. And I was like, maybe I can find, maybe I can find a fun (laughs) campaign stat. Those are always easy to throw out there with no, especially when Ryan's not here. I know. No. Well, yeah, we'll have, we'll keep, keep an eye on that one. Definitely keep an eye on Chris Paul and the shooting. Cause that is, it's like his, some of his magic fourth quarters allow you to forget what quarters one through three looked like some nights. Um, but yeah, it, I think one of those two players will have to get their offensive crap together, uh, shooting the ball for the Suns to have any chance of making a run. Um, it, assuming everyone's healthy, right? Let's, let's not hope that this continues much longer, but we, we move on to our, our just so you knows now, just so you knows can go many different directions. It's always fun. You never know where things are going to go. Um, Philip, I'm going to start with you. I knew you. I knew you had one locked and loaded here. I want to. I want to give you the floor, just so you know. Phoenix Suns basketball for this week. Have you? He's not on a very good team, but have you heard of an NBA basketball player named LeBron James? Uh, played for the Cavs at some point, right? Yeah, one point. So he's on the Lakers right now. Okay, cool, and, cool, cool. cool. Yeah. Out in Vegas, Vegas. Yep. Got yeah, it. something like yep. that. So I wanted, you, I wanted to read off his last 10-game stat line and then give I've, you a big, big reason why Suns fans should be watching this and just absolutely adoring it. All right, last 10 games for LeBron. 32 and a half, 10 assists, 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 
on 56% from the field, 42% from three, and basically 78% from the line. That is an unbelievable stat line. That is that's, so easily that's unanimous. So good. Hey, that's so good that Andre Iguodala would win the finals MVP over him. Excellent deep cut. Yep. Thank you. If you know, you know. Those are unanimous MVP numbers. One of the greatest seasons ever, if anybody held on to those kinds of numbers. The hilarious part, and the reason I feel comfortable is going to be the record on a son's podcast, yeah. is that during that time, where just to reiterate, he went 32 and a half, 10 and six. The Lakers went four and six. That's so sad. The Lakers went four and six. Now, their game's in progress. He's off to a good start against Minnesota tonight. But arguably the GOAT putting up more than GOAT numbers the last 10 games led to a four and six record. So Suns fans, just so you know, if you want to watch basketball excellence and get to watch Lakers losses, just flip on the Lakers game. Enjoy how incredible LeBron James is at basketball and watch the Lakers taken out. That's a good combo. Are you ready for one of my weirdest, just so you knows, in in Ethan history? So 100%. I enjoy, like I've said, I enjoy doing some weird stat dives. I, I enjoy it. I, I still will always say I'm going to go with eye test over the numbers. That doesn't mean you can't have fun with the numbers. So sometimes I will just go through the splits and the stats of various Suns players just to see if I find anything interesting. Anything jumps out to me, something maybe I overlooked. Uh, this week, it was Mikhail Bridges' lack of offense. Sorry again about that. But I was like, you know who I want to go check on? I want to check on my boy, Cam Johnson. I love my boy, Cam Johnson. I was like, all right, I already know these things are going to make me happy. But let's go ahead and look at his shooting splits. See the guy shooting 45 from the field, 43 from three. Oh, chef's kiss. Makes me happy. Then I was like, okay, so he's shooting lights out. He's had this big step. I wonder what's going on and where these numbers are coming from. And Philip, you, I guarantee you the weirdness is about to reach a whole new level. So I was curious. Some of my favorite stats are like, hey, this guy shoots this at home this much away. I wonder what that looks like. And I was like, maybe there's a huge discrepancy there. Not really. The dude's just really good at shooting. 41% on the road, almost 45 at home. Lights out, man. Lights out. I'm like, all right. I know he's gotten better. It seems like as the years progressed, you were even talking about it. He keeps stepping up. In October, he shot 34%. Again, limited games from three. November 40. This month, 47% in the month of December. The dude is just scorching. And I said, okay, that's a cool stat. I need something weirder. And then I saw, oh, in wins, he shoots 44%. In losses, he shoots 39 I wonder if you could make a connection there. Maybe, but it seems circumstantial. I don't want to hold off on that for now. And then I discovered my favorite Cam Johnson stat by a large, large margin. Let me tell you Cam Johnson's three-point shooting stat by day of the week. Please enjoy. On Mondays, 32%. That's all right. Tuesdays, 39%. All right. Good, good start. Wednesdays, 48%. We're going to hold off on Thursday. Friday, 49%. Saturday, 29%. Sunday, 36 So weekends are a little rough for Cam. You know, he's, he's probably had a long week. Thursdays, 
On Thursdays this year, Cam Johnson has shot 74% from three-point line. And if you're like, that was probably one really good game, you would be wrong. Between the seven days, he's played 6-4, On the four Thursday games this year, Cam Johnson has shot 74% from three. That is absurd. So I would like to throw out, as of right now, that every Thursday we are on Cam Johnson watch because things could go crazy. I don't know what it is. If I ever get to interview him one day, I will ask, what is it about Thursdays that just makes it happen? Maybe he had a good Bible class on Wednesday night and he is just mentally focused. Maybe Thirsty Thursdays are somehow impacting his game. I don't know. But 74% through four games, all on Thursdays, Philip, I think there might be something there. I don't know what it is, but boy, I'm intrigued. At the end of this incredible display, I started texting our group chat with Ryan, and I'm just going to read it to you before I click send, just so the listeners know my response. Oh no, Ethan just dropped the most unbelievable just so you know in the history of into the valley just sent a phoenix Suns podcast that yes. was outstanding my guy this Thank is you. this is on par with the bridges law from last season campaign thir- or uh, cam johnson thursdays i'm gonna have to tweet at him and anyone who has the ability to interview him and ask say can you please find out what about thursdays gets cam johnson scorching because it's incredible you need to make this a thread from the from the Twitter account. That was outstanding work, my guy. Well, thank you. I it just I saw that number and I was like, there's no way. So then I went to every Thursday game they had played, and I was just like, this makes no sense. Please explain. And it made me happy. The other one stat of his that made me really happy as well is that this season in the two games, he shot 72% from three against the Mavericks. Growing up, I hated the Mavericks. <laughs> I I love to see them suffer. So that would make me happy. But yeah, there you go. There's one just so you know. Just a, just a little Ethan random set for you. And watch this transition. He'll have an opportunity this Thursday I to know, put dude. this pattern to the test. So Tuesday, At the home. Suns are gonna are gonna play the Pelicans on the road to finish off this little road trip. Thursday, they'll play the Clippers at home, and then Saturday. They'll play the Heat at home. Depending on who's in health and safety protocols this week, it could be a really fun week of Phoenix Suns basketball. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I appreciate you letting me uh, go full Ethan on that one. I try to I try to be a happy middle ground as much as I can, but sometimes the numbers just speak to you, and you got to listen. You know, that's all I can say. Well, what a weird week of Suns basketball. I feel like all of our highs, lows, and just so you knows were equally on par with the weirdness. We critiqued Chris Paul and Mikhail Bridges. We gave praise to Jalen Smith. And we had the dumbest stat in the world about Cam Johnson. So I feel like this episode is a perfect embodiment of what we saw this week. I don't know. Philip, anything you want to close with as we uh, wrap up this episode of Into the Valley? Stick to your New Year's resolutions. Listeners, you can do it. I believe in you. I am going to read book tonight. Not the whole thing, and I'm not going to tell you how much because it could change, but I'm going to read book tonight. Just want you to be proud of me, Dad. Are, are, you, are, you, are you proud of me, Dad?
Yes, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, in Ryan's absence, I hope he feels better soon. I don't think we talked, we didn't hit our five minute campaign quotient for the episode. So he's going to be a little disappointed, but we'll definitely get him back next week. Ball things are feeling better. For Ryan and Philip, I am Ethan. This is Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast. We out.